This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey, Renegades, welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Lauren Wang, who launched the FlexCo in 2016 with the dream of transforming the lives of people with periods, which is, you know, over half the planet, by the way, right? Today, Flex is the top-selling sustainable period brand in the country, selling in over 25,000 retail locations and online. Flex is the only company in the world to offer both disposable and reusable menstrual discs, in addition to menstrual cups, providing users with the most comfortable period week of their lives. That sounds exciting to me, but what might be even more exciting to me is Lauren's story. She comes from a small town in Georgia. She got into marketing, working at both IBM and Coca-Cola at the same time, which is pretty amazing, kind of the definition of a hustler right there. She got out to Silicon Valley. She applied for the Y Combinator and really got creative in the strategies that she employed to get traction in her early days, and I am going to let her tell you all about it. This is one you definitely don't want to miss. Some really great ideas that you can then turn around and take back and implement in your business. So let's dive right in. Here is Lauren Wang, the founder of the Flex Club. Hey, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you and to hear about this journey. So let's start at the very beginning. What did you want to be when you grew up? Where did you kind of get your start? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm from a small town in Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be a lot of different things. Uh, First, I wanted to be the first. I mean, I wanted to be the president of the United States of America. And my parents uh, informed me that there's never been a female president. And so I should How did that make you feel? (laughs) I mean, I was in fifth grade, so it made me feel like garbage. I was really confused, first of all, because they were like, haven't you learned all the presidents? But second, I thought, you know, maybe they have a point, which is kind of sad. I think this is why representation is so important. Um, And I decided that I would try to become a biologist instead. But, you know, they're evangelical Christians, so that also didn't go over very well. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted me to do something else, not in science or politics. Mm-hmm. So you had some pretty awesome ambitions. I love that. What did you end up doing? Did you go to college? Did you get a job? What was your kind of your start? A little bit of both, to tell you the truth. So yeah. we always struggled financially growing up. I started, honestly, in third grade working to help support the family And I always had like some kind of little jobs to give my parents money to, you know, help put food on the table. And so I think it was kind of a natural transition for me to work. I worked three jobs in high school. Mm -hmm. I ended up actually dropping out of high school and getting my GED, which is a longer story. But (laughs) a few months after 
that, I got into a community college, and then I got a full-time job at IBM when I was 19. And from there, I transferred to university. I went to Georgia State University in Atlanta, and I got my marketing degree by going to school at night. And during the day, half of my undergrad, I worked at IBM, and the other half I worked at Coca-Cola in marketing jobs. So very different than what I'm doing today, but it really taught me the value of hard work and really the value of education. I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. That's awesome. I love that story. IBM and Coca-Cola are two pretty big companies to have your foot in the door. Was there anything that you felt like you learned while you were there about corporate? Anything that kind of set you on your path to start up? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things that I learned. Well, I think the first thing for me was I loved that it was a steady paycheck. You know, I knew that I could make, I was making $30,000 a year working 40 plus hours a week to start, Mm -hmm. but it was enough to kind of be able to pay my bills and I had a full ride scholarship. I think, you know, the first skills that I learned was just to be very helpful to other people that always served me really well was to be kind of helpful and to be a good listener. I learned a lot through osmosis. And I think at Coca-Cola in particular, I learned so, so, so much about marketing from some of the most brilliant minds in the world. I think working with brand, like the Coca-Cola brand manager, are you kidding me? Like what amazing experience as a, you know, early twenties to mid twenties, um, young woman. And so a lot of what I learned there, I've carried forward to having a CPG startup today, which is Flex. I'm like secretly excited because I'm obsessed with Coca-Cola, like everything from the drink to their branding. I'm that nerd that like, if there's a Coca-Cola store wherever I go, like Uh I go in and buy a t-shirt, I've got a Coca-Cola wallet. So I'm secretly really fangirling on that part of your story for sure. But you said- Marketing, but that's not what you're doing now. What was exciting to you about marketing? Like, why marketing? Marketing taught me to listen to people. Like, going back to learning to listen at work and learning a lot that way, marketing taught me to listen to what people want. And I think the Mm -hmm. key to being a successful entrepreneur is making something that people really want, which is a startup accelerator that I was in called Y Combinator, that's kind of their motto, make something that people want. And that really resonates a lot because I think a lot of times there's all different kinds of ways to start a business, but I think a lot of folks will say, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I'm waiting for my idea or I have this idea and maybe it's a good kernel of an idea, but unless you're really spending a ton of time obsessing over really, really listening to people, and being brutally honest with yourself, like sometimes the kernel of a good idea is evolves into something totally different than what you had originally thought that it would be. But as long as you're listening to people and serving people, you're going to be on the right track. And that's what marketing is all about. It's understanding people and understanding what it is that they want and being able to speak to them in a language that's very meaningful and resonates with them. That's in its most altruistic <laughs> and its most <laughs> altruistic form, but that's how I like to think of it. I love it. I do marketing. I couldn't have come up with a better answer myself. So like you said, marketing's not what you do anymore. I'm sure that kind of skill set was really, really important as you grew your own business. Where did the idea come for your business and how did you decide to pursue it? 
Yeah. Well, my idea came slowly. So going back to my roots, like I said, like we struggled a lot financially. So becoming an entrepreneur was never, ever, ever, ever something that I wanted to do. I liked my steady paychecks (laughs) at the big companies, but I was getting yeast infections for 15 years of my life. And it wasn't until I'd moved to San Francisco did I have a nurse say, Lauren, I'm not writing a prescription for you for your yeast infection medication until you quit using tampons and pads. I was like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) this is 2011. I'm like, what are you, what? What am I supposed to do? Are you crazy? And it kind of sent me on this multi year journey trying and researching different period products from all over the world. And to make a long story short, I started talking to people about their period problems. And while most people don't get yeast infections from tampons and pads or BV from tampons and pads, people have all kinds of different problems and they don't like their period. And for me, I'm like, why isn't anyone innovating in this space? Why isn't anyone paying attention and listening to menstruators? It's half the planet. (laughs) It's half of people. I know it's not that sexy of a topic, but like, I don't know anyone that's like, oh, yay, my period is here. You know what I mean? And so the more that I talk to people, more people are asking me to make something for them. And eventually I I decided to listen to them and do it. That is amazing. So walk me through what you created. Why is it so different? Sure. So we make a lot of different period products. Today, I'm really proud that we're the number one in sustainable period care. So we drive two out of every three retail transactions. And the primary products we sell are menstrual discs and menstrual cups. We have different types of menstrual discs, and we have a couple different types of menstrual cups. But the main thing for you to know is menstrual disc is a new category of period product. I coined the term in 2016. It's a, we're the only company to make both disposable and reusable menstrual discs so they can be worn for 12 hours. The most common feedback is you can't feel them when you're wearing them. So people say, I forgot I was on my period when I was wearing a flex product. So it solves a lot of the problems of cramping, odor, leaking, things like that. And then our other top selling product are our menstrual cups, which are the only cups in the world that were designed with a pull tab that helps break the seal for you. So a lot of people are worried that their menstrual cup is going to get stuck because a cup works by creating suction. And when you have suction inside of your body, it can be challenging sometimes to remove. And so we designed a cup that breaks the suction for you. So it's super easy for beginners to use. Yeah, that's really important. And I mean, I can see the parallels to your own experience, right? Like this nurse told you no tampons, no pads, and you're like, what the hell do I use? So you're creating these products and you went through all of this research. What did it look like actually putting these products together? Mm -hmm. You know, your backgrounds in marketing, like how were you designing and manufacturing and knowing that these were like the exact right products that you needed? Sure, sure, sure. So it's all about hiring the right team. It's all about surrounding yourself with experts that know more than you. And the thing I like to say, there's no one who's an expert in every single thing in the company. In the early days, you do need to be a generalist, I think, to be smart enough in specific areas so you know what to look for when you're looking for experts. So for example, before I even founded the company, I spent 
many, many, many months studying the FDA and trying to understand the regulatory framework in which we were going to have to right. operate. If I were to start a company, I went and showed up at manufacturing facilities. I cold called over 50 different manufacturing facilities. I met with all different types of product designers and I just and other entrepreneurs and founders and VCs. And I just started collecting a lot of information. I had a checklist of all of the things I didn't know. And I would ask people for help. And I was really pleasantly surprised how helpful people were as long as I was made a productive use of their time. Yeah, that's amazing. So even in the beginning, you were looking at talking to VCs. Did you always know that this was like a venture backed, scalable operation? Was that always the plan from day one? It wasn't. I actually didn't even really know what VC meant, venture capitalist. I didn't know (laughs) anything about fundraising. I didn't know any of the terms. I was working with a lot of folks who had gone to Berkeley Haas and they had introduced me to someone who ended up becoming my co-founder later and who is now my husband. (laughs) And he was working in venture. And so one of my coworkers had introduced me to him and said, you know, you should talk to this person about fundraising because if it's going to cost you millions of dollars to build a custom manufacturing line to make your period products, then Mm -hmm. you're going to need to get money from somewhere. But at least you can start to learn about the venture landscape from someone who you're not pitching and not trying to ask for money from. So I actually found that to be extremely valuable because in the conversation, it was really just about him being curious with the problem I was trying to solve about why isn't anyone listening to (laughs) menstruators? Like why has there been no innovation in our products for nearly a hundred years? He was, that made him really curious, but he knew I wasn't trying to pitch him to ask him for money. So I got him hooked on the problem and then he spent time (laughs) coaching me and helping me kind of understand what different types of investors look for. And he had recommended um, a couple of books which served me very, very well. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free, so why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. What a cool story. So talk to me a little bit about kind of the the first steps as you're getting going. You mentioned Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. That is really fascinating to me. That's a really exclusive program. Why did you decide to go for that one? I had honestly not even heard of Y Combinator, but someone (laughs) else that I worked with said, hey, you should check them out. You should check out their blog. And since then, they've built out a ton of information, which is extraordinarily Mm -hmm. helpful for anyone who's getting started with the business. Even if your business isn't going to be venture backed, I always recommend checking out YC's website, their YouTube channel, their Instagram. It's all extremely helpful. Before I, I even considered applying to Y Combinator, I took their application And I use their application to kind of write my business plan to say, all right, I'm smart. I learned in school how to write like this big, fancy, like, quote unquote, business plan that I want to know, like what investors care about. And like, how do I tell the story in as few words as possible? And I didn't submit the application. I just had it in the Google Doc. 
you know, and I would go back and reference it. And it helped kind of set me up and frame my thinking. And then from there, I spent more and more time reading their blog, and we started to get some traction. And they invest in early stage companies. And so I applied and thankfully I got in. Talk to me about that experience. What was it like for you? I think it was transformative transformational for me, especially mm-hmm. being a Silicon Valley outsider talking about, you know, I grew up in Georgia. I didn't know about startups. I, none of the terminology, <laughs> I, was, I was not familiar with any of this stuff. And so I felt like I was just thrown into the thick of everything. And they gave us really helpful hands on, I wouldn't even say advice, perspectives on a weekly basis on how to keep moving and keep moving quickly and to not get lost in analysis paralysis and to be totally obsessed with your customer and to not get distracted by shiny things like speaking at conferences or, (laughs) I don't know, getting invited to a founder's dinner, just being like ruthlessly focused on your core business metrics and listening to your customers and just building a very, very strong foundation for a business and keeping yourself humble and hungry. And so those were my really big takeaways from it. And coming out on the other side, we've we've built a phenomenal network of all of these other founders that are very, very supportive and just really incredible people. I love that. So you had mentioned before you put in the application, you were starting to get a little bit of traction. Mm -hmm. Where were you at in the business at that point? Did you have like an e-commerce site up that you were selling? Were you running ads? What was the kind of strategy that you were using to get your first customers? Mm -hmm. At that point, we did not have any of our first customers. During YC, we sold $80,000 of pre-orders. And I think at the time we were selling pre-orders for like, I don't know, 20 bucks a pop, something like that. Mm -hmm. And pre-YC, I basically had this landing page and I would test out different offers on the landing page to try to figure out what offer resonated with people. And then honestly, like how to position the product itself about what key benefits really resonated with people. And once we kind of hone in on the right offer and the right like value props, and we were driving traffic to the website and getting lots and lots of people to sign up to get notified when we launched. And so we found weird ways to show momentum. And the reason that we did it that way was because I needed to raise money to be able to pay for a custom manufacturing line, which was cost over a million dollars. But at the time, if you have no money in your personal bank account, I mean, I literally had no money in my personal bank (laughs) account. You're like, okay, I got to get a manufacturer to agree to even work with me to tell me how much it's going to cost to make this darn thing. Then I got to go to an investor and say, hey, can you give me money so I can go and make this darn thing? And the investor says, well, how do you know anyone's even going to use it? And that's really, right? So you got to kind of like work all those things simultaneously between talking to lots of customers and getting people to test other types of products and getting feedback and kind of showing momentum in any different way that you can. Having that early momentum even before you have a product is really critical. And what I see a lot of brands doing today is because even in 2015, when I founded the company, Instagram was not what it is today. TikTok was obviously not around. Snap was not around. And so what I see a lot of brands doing is they'll start by creating a huge social following and then they take that and use that to launch a business, which I think is such a smart strategy. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, your strategy is so smart. I can see that your inner marketer shining through when you said, okay, like we started running traffic, we tested this messaging and this messaging, and then we honed in on the right messaging, the right offer, what resonated most. I feel that in my little marketer soul (laughs) over here. So how were you getting the traffic there? Were you running ads in the beginning? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you weren't funded at this point. You said like there was no money. How were you getting these people to the landing page? Sure. A lot of it at the time was organic traffic. So Medium was also still in its kind of infancy. So I was writing mm-hmm. blogs. I was posting the blogs on social media. I don't know nowadays if that is an effective strategy, but <laughs> we had you know, definitely an organic component. Reddit was a really big place where we, got, where we took off. Right. So we put an offer for um, if you sign up, you like on our email list, you'll get a free sample. And that went completely viral. And so by Mm -hmm. the time that we received funding, we were able to fulfill all of those free samples. And for us, those are our, you know, became our earliest customers because they were able to trial the product and they're able to trial it for free. And all we had to pay for as a company were the cost of goods and for shipping. So it ended up being a really great way to go viral early on and to build up an email list of a couple hundred thousand people, which was also a great way to show investors traction. We did a little bit of testing on ads, not too much because to your point, like I didn't have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that the blog writing and the kind of being creative on the offer were a couple of things that that worked out really well for us. And PR, because once we had those email signups, then we were able to kind of go to PR and say, hey, we haven't even launched yet. Look at all these people that want this like new innovative thing. And that was able to get us a couple of media hits, which continued to build the email list. Yeah. It's all about that email list, man. This is an amazing, amazing story. What is going on with the business today? Yeah. Well, our biggest goal for this year is to continue to expand in retail. So while we started direct-to-consumer, as a lot of businesses do, Over the years, we've expanded into retail and we're currently in over 25,000 retail doors and we're looking to expand that even more this year so that Mm -hmm. Flex products will be available to over 90% of Americans within a 15 minute drive, which I think is exciting because a lot of people don't know when their period's coming. (laughs) So it's helpful to have your favorite period product accessible to you. We're launching two new sustainable period products this year, which we've been working on for many, many years. One is a fully reusable menstrual disc, and the other Mm -hmm. is a disposable menstrual disc that can be worn for 12 hours, like our original disc, but it's made out of sugar cane. So it has a plant-based resin, and we're really excited about that. So with those two products in our retail expansion, we're really going to be looking at international expansion from there. And we are launching in another country this year, but I can't tell you which one yet. All right. Well, you'll have to come back and we'll have to update your show notes and all that good stuff when it's live, when we know. That is really exciting. And it seems like the sky's the limit. I think that, you know, you can hear just how different the business is, just how much it has grown and you have grown with it. How has your role changed? What does it look like compared to what it was like in the beginning? Such a great question. (laughs) Well, every day that goes by, I feel like I'm shedding more and more of my old role, whatever I did the day before, and more and more stepping more and more into a different role. 
think every CEO is very different and people have all different types of backgrounds and interests. And my particular interests are in product development and marketing because of my background and because of the way that the company started. So I hire people who are really aligned with my vision to execute those things and to be thought partners in fulfilling that vision. But those are kind of two functions that I stay pretty close to that I'm really excited about. We're on the marketing side, we're expanding into new marketing channels like TV. TV went really well for us last year and we're doubling down on that strategy this year. And I've actually been in some of our TV commercials, which I do not like being in front of the camera, (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's important for our audience to see that there's a real person behind the brand and that I really am here and I really am listening. And that's exciting to me. And I think on the product development side, we're continuing to push the envelope and look at other categories beyond just period care that serve our customers. And we have some new products coming out that I've been working on that I'm really, really stoked to share with the world. Well, I cannot wait to share this with everybody when it comes out in May. I have one big final question for you. Lauren, what does being a startup renegade mean to you? It means listening to your gut, especially in the face of other folks who may not see the world the same way that you do. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a fine balance because I talked almost the entire episode about listening to your customers. So that I stand behind, (laughs) always listen to your customers. But sometimes you have to make business decisions that are pretty unconventional and go against what other, even other startups are doing or what your Mm -hmm. investors might say or what even some of your employees might say. And I think to be a startup renegade, you've got to have faith in and hone and listen to your gut. I love that so much. Well, thank you for being here. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Absolutely. So you can find us on Instagram at Flex, and you'll see my personal handle tagged there in our bio. Our TikTok is weird flex, but okay. And you can find (laughs) us on Twitter at Flex. I just want to go check out TikTok now just purely for the handle. That sounds like something worth checking out. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. That was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade. Oh, 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 oh